Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candair, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Handsome Jake. Ooh, Handsome Jake. Never stop being. He's <laughs> not really. Get the hell out of here, Jack. <laughs> and joining us today, we have comic artist Ryan Lee to talk about some of the projects he has under his belt. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We've got a good show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about Robin, the boy wonder, in this week's Retro Roundtable. A lot of ground uh, with Robin, all the yeah. different incarnations and stuff. I think it'll be fun. Uh, then we're going to go around the room talking about comics. Uh, what do you guys have? Anything good? Book of Death. Book of Death. There's oh, an there attention-grabbing title for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How about you, Jack? What do you got? The Rocketeer at War. Cool. Can't go wrong with the Rocketeer. Love the cover. Then we're going to turn our full attention over to Ryan and talk about uh, some of the projects he has going on. So, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. Got it, dude. no expense. All right, everyone. Robin the Boy Wonder. I don't even know where to start. Um, there's been so many different incarnations of uh, the character. Uh, let's start with favorites, I guess. Who wants to go first? There's really only been, what, four? Oh, boy, I've got one, two, three, four, five of them down here. Shoot, I don't know that many of them. Well, we've got Dick Grayson. Yep. Uh, Tim Drake. Yep. Jason Todd. You're right. Damian Wayne. Yep. Carrie Kelly. Okay, so I didn't know them all. <laughs> hmm. You know, I, I got to admit, and I feel like this is kind of breaking the subject of the conversation. I assume we're celebrating Robin. I've never been a huge fan of the Robin part of the dynamic duo. That's not to say I dislike him. I just think I like Batman as, as a soul figure. That being said, I think the transition into Nightwing is awesome, and Nightwing's... Yeah such an awesome character so very well said i mean yeah the early dick grayson kind of stuff yeah i know exactly little, what you mean yeah oh yeah. yeah but yeah nightwing is uh, so cool very cool yeah. one thing about dick grayson that i always love though is as approaching his nightwing era is uh he started to despise bruce just for the way you know his attitude how you could know. you not you know yeah <laughs> but at the same time as he's despising that attitude he's taken on that attitude you know and when he eventually you know farther down in the comics becomes batman it's pretty much you know same person yeah yeah yeah, exactly it's almost like that's what he's hating is the the inevitability that he's going to become that person right exactly exactly uh what about you ryan i really ended up liking the uh the damian wayne character Mm -hmm. um that's probably because that's one of the few things i remember reading as it was coming out, um, and it—I don't know when it, when he died. It was it was pretty impactful. I thought it was really well done. Um, Chris Burnham uh, managed to really pull out uh, some really emotional uh, beats in that, and it, it was really really good, really really good. So See, I'm, I'm behind. Damian Wayne died. Yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, he was murdered pretty horrifically. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I need to catch up on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really an uncommon fate for people what? in his line of work. <laughs> yeah. I thought he died, but he came. they brought him back. That was Jason Todd. No, Damon, I thought they'd... Oh, is Damien back now? He might be back now. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they uh, did or not. It, it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with, I know Jason Todd was, like, beaten to death by the Joker and mm-hmm. then was brought back with uh, the Lazarus pit and and damian wayne is the uh, child of talia ogul ogul is that right ogul yeah ogul yeah. which and, is i think uh, that's like wayne. middle eastern algol doesn't that mean like monster or ghoul or oh, something I don't know. like Does that it? i always thought that the was kind of cool yeah 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 
There's a star called Algol. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's spelled a little different, but it's like the same core. I'm rambling now. Please no, continue. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> There's just uh, one point I want to make. We had a little bit of an audio problem. We lost a good bit of conversation, but I wanted to uh, say what I said before was Robin, the concept of Robin didn't seem like something Bruce Wayne or Batman would do. See, I, I worded it perfectly the first time. <laughs> you no, I can't. It down. <laughs> and then. Like, he's, yeah, he seems like he's always willing to put himself between, you know, harm and the innocent and doesn't want to endanger anyone, yet dragging a 10-year-old boy into battle. Thoughts? Not once, but many times. Many times. Been and many different people. someone more or less innocent, yeah. What about you, Ryan? You were uh, in the middle of saying something when we got cut off. Oh, yeah. I was just saying how he I thought that he originally was supposed to be uh, kind of the uh, the Watson to his Sherlock and that he mm. um, as time time went on uh, and Batman evolved as a grittier and, and uh, darker character that it, Robin seemed a little a little more uh, just odd within that storyline. And, and as a uh, companion to, to this lone shark or lone wolf, rather, who's <laughs> right. going out with this kid and putting him in direct uh, danger constantly. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with that sentiment and for sure. You know, you're absolutely right. I I think it's the evolution of the character that's made Robin strange. Because mm-hmm. you look back, old campy Batman, you know, original. It's they they fit together. Yeah, both got kind of a lighthearted angle about them. You know, Batman's parents being murdered was just like a soft backstory. They didn't really delve deeply into that. They didn't portray it as this catalyst that turned him into what he is. So. So I think it might just be, I don't know, is it the stagnation of that character, or has Robin just changed by being the same? I, Maybe some of the times, because Robin's parents were killed too, so he took him in. Right. And That's then right, yeah. On the ropes. Oh, yeah. So right. then it was just like a, a surrogate brother type thing, maybe? Yeah. And, you know, I, I can still understand Bruce Wayne, you know, as, you know, the billionaire taking in a sure, boy, you not? know, in those, in the, exactly what you're saying, he can relate, but... Still, let's let's go downtown where there's a gunfight happening. I want to see what this ten year old boy's got. You know? right. <laughs> but we, we got to nope. test him somehow. Nobody thought to realize that millionaire Bruce Wayne all of a sudden has a little boyfriend, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then but, all at once, wow, Batman's, Batman's rolling got with one this. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow, wild coincidences in golf. And then later on, when the Batman starts getting darker, maybe Robin was kept around to maybe keep Batman more in check. So the darkness didn't start taking him, and he'd mm. do a lot more evil stuff, I guess. I'm, so. I'm such a glutton for that darkness, though. It's like, there is no level of Batman that is too dark for me. I want right. to watch the full descent into absolute madness. If it wasn't for Robin, Batman start killing people and going against his own thing and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But Well, you know, that's the point. It's like um, Batman's got a plan to kill every member of the Justice League. Robin yeah. is his plan to not kill himself, but like he's the contingency for himself is like Robin's supposed to take him out if he goes mm. rogue or mm. abandons <laughs> his ideals or something. Yeah. He's, he's kinda like the little angel on his <laughs> <laughs> perched on his shoulder. Uh, yeah. And and you know this is so nitpicky and stupid, but uh it's it's the color scheme. Batman's, you know, just all yeah. dark, black and blue, the night tones and Robin's all super colorful. You know, it's just something about it. He looks like, like a pride parade. Exactly. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just so overt, you know. He's the decoy. I guess. <laughs> something yeah. bright and shiny standing outside yeah. while Batman's just, hiding to keep the... He's just bait. Yeah, that's all. He's just, he's just villain bait. Yeah, come on, you guys wouldn't punch a 10-year-old, would you? <laughs> what about a 10-year-old with glasses? <laughs> I don't about know. favorites? <clears throat> Favorite Robin's? Yeah. Definitely not Dick Grayson. I mean, I definitely have respect for the character, but he irritated me more than anything. Um, I I guess I'll sound cliche and say Jason Todd, I guess. Just, I love the chip on his shoulder. I love how eventually, I guess they all kind of took the Batman mantle at one point of their life, but when he took it, he made it his own, and he—he, he, I don't know. It was so badass. His shoulders had those big points yeah, on his yeah. red glowing eyes. He had claws on his hands. That was he cute. was vicious. And when um, who was it? He was running around like that, and Dick Grayson was running around as the traditional Batman. And it came down to like a fight for the mantle kind of thing. Uh, I don't ever remember who. Won. I'm sure Dick Grayson probably won. Yeah, I don't yeah, imagine, but, uh, yeah. 
I never did see how that ended, but I always liked that. I always liked that. Jason turned into the Red Hood later on, too. Yeah. That's yeah. Wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I don't know a whole lot about Tim Drake other than what the animated series yeah. gave right. us. And, you know, the uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie. Oh, so cool. That was a good movie. Yeah, I like that one. But I don't know if that's considered canon or not. You know, if that's, that's a good question. If we're sitting here talking about the character's history, if we can <laughs> talk about that as part of it, I don't think so. But yeah. um, an interesting side note, at least. Yeah. What's Chris O'Donnell been up to? Speaking of Rob, that's his <laughs> name. I was thinking about him, but I couldn't remember what his name Is he was. He's still alive. What's he doing? Uh, he's probably doing like USA, like direct to cable movies now or something. Oh, he's on uh, what? NCIS LA. Oh, uh, I was gonna say he's probably in a crime procedural. Yeah, he's, he's stuck <laughs> in an acronym somewhere. I thought he was languishing. Still somewhere licking those Batman and Robin wounds. Yeah. Uh, you mean reveling in that Batman and Robin glory? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'd love to know what he thinks of that. Maybe there's an interview out there. What he, you know, looking back, what do you think of Batman and Robin? Oh, this interview's done. Yeah, I dwell on the Three Musketeers a little bit more than Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, what else? What else we got on Robin? I don't know how to keep this conversation going. (laughs) Maybe that's Robin's biggest problem. Everyone's just tired of him. That's all the conversation that a sidekick gets. That's, if we was talking Batman, a lot more. But we'd um, need a five-part episode series super special to talk Batman. But yeah, when it comes to Robin. One thing I'll, I'll mention, uh, Robin related, was I just picked up issue four of the Dark Knight three, Frank Miller's Dark Knight three, and uh, in the middle of these issues have been mini comics. That each one is like a number one to a separate story. And I don't remember what the ones before were because I, I didn't really have any interest until this one. Let me open it up here and show you. This is Carrie Kelly past her Robin career as Batgirl. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she's like all very fluorescent, like hot pink cape yeah, and cowl, uh, like Riddler green suit. Doesn't really say camouflage. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but maybe everything that's picture. color, everything's that color in the future. Yeah, we don't could know. Be. <laughs> but um, it looks very interesting. There's something about uh, the art that comes with Frank Miller that's. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I believe that word is bad. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hit and miss for me. The Dark Knight 2 I just picked up a few weeks ago at the store, and I went to read it. And damn. I don't know. I, I <laughs> it's hard with like, that artwork. It's oh, it was just a different time, man. I, I don't know if it's over there on the shelf behind you or not, but just very... Abstract, and it yeah. seems like sparse in some ways, yeah. which is like its strength and its weakness. I yeah. think you can go too far into that, and you're just like, "What am I watching right now?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it definitely wasn't as clean as the uh, first Dark Knight Returns, but yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it was it was very strange. I, I can only imagine. <laughs> and he started. He really started pushing boundaries with that first the Dark Knight. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I was so young at that time. I don't. I don't remember when that came out, but. I had to have, I got to think that it, it was so strange for people to see that type of art in any mainstream comic, because even now looking at it, uh, Frank Miller, he was making very conscientious decisions, I think, to make it as different looking as possible, and it still has a very strange kind of almost indie look to it, even now. Yeah, with, I can see that. With everything that's come out after it. To see something like that on a, on a book like that, like the way he drew Superman even, was so bizarre, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, a, go ahead. And then the Dark Knight, and then the Dark Knight 2, when that came out, I mean, that, you're right, the sparseness of that was really strange. There were barely any backgrounds in that at all. It was almost yeah. like clear panels with day glow colors. I guess, I mean, he tries pushing it, and <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it works, and sometimes it's just a little too far for some people, and I, I completely get that. It's wild. You know, I wonder if it's just, like, really ahead of its time, even now, and we're just the old dorky, just like, back in my day. I don't think so, because in the in the Dark Knight 3 here, you still see that bit of abstractness, but not it's nearly to the level. I mean, oh, look at yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it's more resolute. Mu- yeah, yeah, it's pleasurable to read, but you still, <laughs> you still see the style in there. Fair enough. So... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now put me in my place. Why yeah. Don't you? Suck it, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Robin. Who's Red Robin? Ooh, I don't know. It's a, it's a hamburger joint. I'm sorry. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Red Robin. As soon as I said it, I was like, don't do this. You're live right now. Low-hanging fruit, Low-hanging fruit. I'm so tired, you guys. But seriously, guys, bottomless fries. Please. Who can argue oh, yeah. with that? Come on. They've also got this, like, uh, like garlicky, uh, garlicky cheese kind of stuff yeah. you can put on. All these different fry sauces that nowhere else has. I'm not That's saying Red Robin syndication or anything like that, but if it happened to happen based on this conversation... Uh. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking we need to go to Red Robin uh, when we're done here. Yeah, that might be my favorite Robin. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that note... <laughs> Perfect. Oh, man. Well, that was fun. Not Well, we, we probably would have had a full 20 minutes conversation had we not <laughs> lost about uh, six, seven minutes of recording. So there's that still a little bit that we that you could probably plop in there somewhere. A little bit of it. But yeah. it was pretty much it was uh, it was Ryan talking and it was stuff that he'd already said. Wow. So I might as well just leave it out. But it was like one of those moments where you're thinking. This is a good conversation. Yeah, no. I'm glad to have this on tape. <laughs> to find out nobody was listening to it the whole oh, time. Oh, shit. It's really not our stride on this yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't win them all, can you? Good we? times. Well, with that, let's just jump into the comic dump bin. And who would like to go first this week? Or I think I went first last time. I'll go first this time. I think you went first the time before. I... And talking about Moon Knight number one from Marvel this week, which I don't know a lot about Moon Knight's uh, past, much of anything at all. He's made some, uh, you know, pop-ins in Spider-Man comics and Spider-Man video games. Pretty much if he gets close to Spider-Man is when I see him. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, I don't know a lot about him. And there was a number one out, the comic uh, shop clerks highly, you know, recommended it. So I was like, I'm going to try it. And it starts with Mark Spector, who is uh, Moon Knight. You know, he's... I'm going to butcher this, because a lot of these names <laughs> I'm not getting right. Well, that definitely looks way different than the number one that I got from, what, last year when it first it came out before Battleworld? Yeah, you know, okay, I thought this was a new number one. I was yeah, like, didn't we see number a n- number one within the past year or two? Yeah, I'll have to bring it over and we'll oh, yeah. pair of books. Bastards. Definitely. But anyway, it shows him like in an Egyptian temple. He's wearing uh, scrubs, like if he were, he were in a nut house. But he's in this temple looking for a uh, a Khonshu, like some kind of a god character. I think that's how that name's pronounced. But he can't find him, and he says, "Before you can become the Moon Knight again, it looks there's a lot left out here. This is a four part series, so I'm still learning a lot. But he says, before you can become Moon Knight again, you must lose a lot. You must suffer. It's just the way it is. And with that, he comes to life, like comes awake in a mental institution." Where these, you know, corrupt uh, guards there beating the hell out of the patients, doing shock therapy. Kind of reminded me of Hugo Strange on Gotham right now. Right, yes. But um, he keeps saying, you know, I'm I'm Moon Knight. Why why are you guys doing this to me? They're like, yeah, on, yeah, guys. yeah, what whatever, dude. And, uh, you know, they take him to see the therapist in there. And he goes, I, I know I was this guy. I think I've done this. I think I've done that. Which of these realities are true? She goes, none of them. I've been helping you for years. And he goes, I just woke up here yesterday. I don't know how I got here, what's going on. I need to get out of here. So uh, he's laying in his cell at night, and he starts trying to communicate with this Khonshu. He's like, can you hear me? You know, what is this all about? What, you know, what am I supposed to do? And uh, finally a voice comes back and says, stop whining like an infant. It's now time. And he gets the gumption. He takes his bed sheets off of his bed because he's in a cell. Right. And he wraps the sheet around his head, takes blood, and, like, makes the moon on his forehead, puts a <laughs> cape on, and when the guards come in, they see him standing there in all his glory, Moon Knight. But what's weird about this is when he's dressed like that, when he is Moon Knight, he sees stuff differently. Like these guards come in and they all have like these Egyptian cat heads and stuff. Yeah, it's weird. So he beats their asses. He runs to the roof and goes outside where he can see New York, but it's like covered in sand dunes and there's a huge like Egyptian pyramid right in the center and there's all these uh, Egyptian like cat 
winged cat people flying around. And, you know, he's like, is what I'm seeing real? I don't know if this is real or not. It feels real. About the time, you know, he's questioning the reality of it, the guards come busting through the door behind him, wrestle him down, beat the shit out of him, and pull his mask off. Sooner they pull, as they pull his mask off, he sees everything normal again. He sees them just as normal people, just <laughs> kicking the shit out of him. The city looks normal. There's no sand, no nothing anywhere. And the comic ends with him questioning, did that really happen? What's going on? That's so, wild. Yeah, it, it was definitely interesting. I uh, haven't picked up any since, but, yeah, take it as you will. Sounds better, the one, sounds better than the one I had. Really? Yeah, the other one was, it was just real dark, but in kind of monotone, I guess. I don't know. There wasn't a lot to it. You'll have to bring that. I want to yeah. see it. I'll have to find it. All right. Who would like to? Ryan, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. Yeah. Just talk about what I'm reading right now. Yeah. Whatever you All want, right. man. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, I actually just finished reading a trade. I I have a huge backlog of books, unfortunately. Just Don't a wheel. stack that's been building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have a pull list, but I feel bad. They're just just alphabetizing them and just waiting to grab a stack of them one night <laughs> go through it but uh welcome to the struggle right i know that is <laughs> that is the struggle but i i um i finally read this book uh a tr- the first trade of a book called kaiju max by xander cannon love the uh, title right off the rip there. <laughs> yeah yeah it's i think oni puts it out um and uh the premise basically and xander cannon writes and draws it um, the premise of it is it's a maximum security prison for kaiju, you know, like the giant Japanese monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the the guards and the warden are kind of like Ultraman. So they walk around as tiny little humans, but when the monsters get out of line or there's fights, because it's it's played up kind of like a prison drama, the way the story unfolds. Really? Between these monsters, yeah. And... Um, the guards are like Ultraman. They just press like a button on their chest and they grow into like giant Ultraman type characters. And, you know, awesome. they have, they have like cool. rockets on their arms and stuff. And it's funny because the subject of the matter, the subject matter of the book is it's played up kind of dark and kind of, like I said, like a prison drama. But the art is really kind of bright and um, cartoony. So there's an interesting disconnect between the way it looks and, and a lot of what's, like, happening in the story. And, of course, there's, like, uh-oh, the new guy's coming to the prison, you know, some guy with this really bad rep on the outside world. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, they're, and they're all kind of separated into their areas. So there's like, the, there's, like, the mecha robots, and they all hang out together in this one area of Kaiju Max. And then there's all the, like, Japanese-type monsters, and then there's more like mythological beasts in another area it's, it's it was really really good i was super not surprised by it. i just did not know what to expect at all and it was really really interesting so sounds really good that sounds so awesome yeah <laughs> like i want to make a joke or something but that's like the coolest thing it's like I've oz heard but with big monsters <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what a perfect combination that's, that's the blurb that's the blurb for it that is a perfect example i mean there's some really dark stuff that happens in it and then you know, of course, one of the guards ends up getting involved with one of the monsters when she's, you know, in her like Ultraman cost Ultraman Ultra Woman costume. It's they don't get into like the the gross aspects of that, but um, it's just very uh, very interesting, neat neat little uh, mashup of genres. <laughs> I've I've had books too where you know the story is one way. Whether it be dark and gritty or happy, and the art pulls the opposite right. feeling, you know, it's it, so awesome when it works right, though. When you yeah, get that balance. But when it doesn't, I mean, it's like it's like heavy metal music, like at a tea party, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah, should yeah, don't yeah, belong yeah. together, you know. Putting maple syrup on your hamburger. It's <laughs> yeah. like I don't know about this. <laughs> People like, in Canada might do that. I bet you there's point. a Red Robin <laughs> burger like that too. <laughs> Fairy tale yeah. land was kind of like that. It was real cutesy, bubbly stuff, but it was real dark undertones. Yeah, like, yeah. it carried a a uh, comedic pitch with uh, it yeah. though, that allowed, that allowed yeah, for it. You know what I mean? Better. Yeah. And this book has a has a pretty heavy uh, humorous bent to it, so I think it I think the art actually works out really well with it. But it's just a it's an interesting uh, dichotomy between the two. That sounds awesome, man. It does it sounds really Lots cool? To look that up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, who would like to go next? I'll go next. Go. From IDW, the Rocketeer at War. It jumps all over the place. The artwork's not too great. It's, I guess it's kind of got that Golden Age feel to it a little bit. It has an they IDW They do a good job of it. establishing that. Yeah. 
Uh, it starts out saying with that chapter one, the death of the Rocketeer. So that kind of mm-hmm. leads you in a they Tarantino'd you slum. on that. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> uh, at a uh, air show, and the Rocketeer's flying around. The audience is watching them. Uh, one guy in the audience is like, "Watch it! He's going to tank it. He's going to do it right now." And next thing you know, he slams into a hoop, dives down, crashes, blows up. Paramedics come. They find out the Rocketeer is dead. Oh, wow. It happens that quick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a villain smites him. He's like, he just miscalculated his No, he fell that. down the stairs when he woke up that morning. <laughs> Broke his neck. Heart attack yeah. in the night. We told him to watch his cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> then it cuts over to Africa in uh, 1942. There, The uh, Americans are storming the beach, and you find that... Cliff Secord, the star from the Rocketeer movie, the main mm-hmm. character there, he's actually there helping out a bunch of guys. One guy almost gets taken out by a, a sniper, a German sniper that comes after him. And next thing you know, a bunch of jets come flying by. They ended up having to go to take out a flak, uh, a flak gun so the jets don't get knocked out. Meanwhile, one of the jets gets hit, crashes. Cliff runs over to a jet, sees that it's a chick pilot, saves her. Dude, it's a girl. <laughs> then all of a sudden they're back at camp. All the, the soldiers are being soldiers, ripping on Cliff because he's got a hot half-naked picture of his girlfriend. Good old, what's her name from the movie? Who was who played her? Oh, I don't remember. It's been so long ago. Jennifer Connelly. That's who oh, it was. Wow. Jennifer Connelly. Oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're just razzing him about that. And then all of a sudden it's daytime and he's out working on a plane. Notices some German guy stealing apart from the plane and getting into a big high-speed chase. He's on a motorcycle. Meanwhile, he's talking aside to himself that he wishes he was just still a pilot. He'd rather be flying than running or driving, chasing this guy. Uh, there's a German guy standing on the back of a, a Jeep in the chase. He ends up shooting his driver, puts on this owl wingsuit, takes off with the part. Cliff grabs his foot. He knocks him off. The guy gets away. Cut to Portugal. <laughs> wasn't expecting that. I, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. why I was like, Dude, man, this is all you. over the place. <laughs> Next thing you see, uh, there's a Nazi, like a high command Nazi, and then some uh, Japanese guys. They're making some kind of uh, death ray. And they shake a hand that they're going to be working together to take out the uh, the allies. And then all of a sudden, we're back at the American base. The chick that he saved in the airplane. Was trying to put the moves on him, but he's sitting there trying to be a good guy because he's got a girlfriend back home. And then all of a sudden, we got a poster. Oh, that's a cool pinup right yeah, there. I do like that. I want to pull it out, but I probably will. Yeah. You can do it very <laughs> carefully. I, I learned the art. You just pull the staples up, lift it up, and push them back down. Yeah, luckily, it's in the middle of the book. <laughs> then we get to the end. Cliff gets uh, called by, the, what, by a colonel, and the colonel pretty much says, We know you're the, the rocketeer. Once you retired, the, the jetpack gave it to the military and then joined the military. We knew who you were. And ever since then, they've been trying to build an army, like mass produce the jetpacks to build a, a jetpack army. But they can't keep anyone from living flying the jetpacks. But for some reason, he's the only one that was able to. And the Nazis stole apart and they need to get it back. We can't get a pilot to take this yeah. suit through a single hoop. We need you to do it. They're killing themselves at the air yeah. shows. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you need it, a job? It jumps to the end, and he's throwing his gear on, and he's ready to go. And he takes off and flies away to be continued. So not a lot of rocket action in this issue. but No, the last ten pages it looks like a little short story. Maybe I'll come back and after I read that and see what that one's about. But it's like a whole other separate story that goes in there. When did that River come Game. out? Like 91 or something? 92? Oh, uh, well, probably something like that, yeah. Man, that was so freaking cool. When I, I wanted to be the Rocketeer when that came Heck out. yeah. That was yeah, awesome. Who didn't? Super cool. But as you get older, you're like, man, that's really not practical, is it? I mean, you're just, <laughs> <laughs> you're the money just you waiting for, for something fuel. for you to, st- to stop you, you know? <laughs> All right, Jake, what do you got? I read Book of Death this week. I read the whole run in like one sitting. I devoured that one because mm. it was awesome i came into this knowing nothing about the valiant universe but i got there was a good like little crash course on the cast in the beginning and you've got unity which if i'm not mistaken is like a it would be the valiant world's equivalent of justice league or 
Super France or whatever, you know. And um, they're based out of England, I believe, because there's an MI6 director who's like their handler, and you've got a uh, woman called Livewire who has a telepathic link to machinery and electronics. It's pretty wild. Uh, Exo Man of War, which, according to his description, was a Visigoth warrior abducted by aliens fused with symbiotic armor and then thrown forward in time, which already happens. my head was spinning. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> happens more than you'd think, but he was cool. Um, uh, British assassin ninja named Ninjak, which uh, I saw call me. the cover you did for uh, for a Ninjak issue, which was pretty awesome, but I imagine we'll be covering that oh, in thanks. your proper interview. Yeah. Um, and then, a few, oh yeah, uh, the Eternal Warrior Gilad, who's uh, I guess there are images of him as like a Viking raider, as a centurion, as a barbarian storming the gates. He's he's been a soldier in all these major conflicts throughout history. He's been killed countless times. He always comes back because his purpose is to defend an unbroken line of mystics called geomancers, which are like the voice of the earth. They guide certain world events, protect it from corrupting influences and interplanar enemies and things like that. And uh, there's only ever one, and Gilad is the protector of the Geomancer. He doesn't understand them, what they do, why necessarily, but he knows it's his job. Until the events of Book of Death, where there are two Geomancers. A sort of natural progression in the bloodline and a usurper. Through some freak... I don't think they really explain the events that led up to two kind of innocent people becoming geomancers, but one of them is captured by this villainous figure, um, and he's trying to usurp this geomancer's power. Now, Gilad, the Eternal Warrior, who's sworn to defend these geomancers, has to go rogue to protect um, the geomancer under his charge, because the other one is causing all these... uh, Bizarre natural disasters, trees that are coming alive and impaling people. There's a pretty gruesome spread early on that's got this whole town that's been obliterated oh, by a tree. I know that picture. Yeah, it was really cool. And um, so the rest of Unity believes Gilad and his geomancer. The, the Gilad's geomancer is responsible for this when he's been pleading with them. Look, it's not her. Someone else is usurping this power, and it's mostly him fighting off the other members of Unity. Very successfully, mind you. I got the impression he's kind of the Batman of their group. Like, he already knew how to take out each and every one of them and did so in an instant. And um, him trying to find who's drawing power from this kind of false geomancer to pervert it. And the whole time, the geomancer he's working with, who's a young girl, she has this book, which is from the future somehow. I think I missed that detail. But it it talks about the future of things to come and how this false geomancer who gains power over Earth, life, death, and everything in between corrupts the globe and how all the enhanced individuals of creation had to come together to fight him and still failed, and he desolates the planet, and they're trying to find a way to stop this. And, And the villain is fantastic. He's this... For lack of a better word, he's like a necromancer. He's got this army of living dead and the ability to draw life from people to sustain himself. And it it all comes to a really excellent conflict at the end. And I won't spoil it, but it's it's it was a great read. It was really worth it. And I liked kind of coming into it blind, learning everything as I went, made Mm -hmm. it all the more interesting. I will say some of the characters took some getting used to just for how like big and flashy they are compared to a lot of the stuff I'm used to. You know, there's. There's not a lot of subtlety in that world, but everything's played so well that it doesn't come off as cartoony. It's all very, very cool. So I'll I'll be checking out the rest of what Valiant has to offer because I was really impressed with Book of Death. Cool, man. I'll have to read it. I've got that issue on. It's so worth it, dude. Yeah, I will. All right. Very, uh, very fruitful comic dump in. All right. Now that that's behind us, let's just move right into... Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? Mary Stewart from Galveston, Texas. And what has Mary Stewart done to deserve a spot on the wall of justice? She is a lifeguard supervisor at the Galveston Island Beach Patrol. This happened not too long ago. I want to say it was in the middle of April, maybe March this year. She was patrolling the beach on a Saturday. Uh, She was in an area where the waves are... Well, that day, the waves were really choppy and there was a lot of wind. And there was five people swimming in out too deep in an area that's usually pretty dangerous. Uh, they went out too far and weren't strong swimmers, and they begin to panic. 
she tried to rescue the group, but they began to start overpowering her. And just as about she was going under, just as she was going under, she would go under the water to regain her uh, strength and breath, and then come back and grab them and bring them back up. Uh, Finding stay in control, she experienced a wave of strength, I guess, and kept telling them not to give up. They they were kind of doubting her the whole time, but she just kept you know talking to them, keeping them positive the whole time. But ended up pulling them back up onto the beach and saving everybody. Just her by herself, just yeah. Really? Yep, she's keeping them up on the buoy. They were freaking out, and that's like the worst thing as a lifeguard. I know that is the people that they'll end up probably drowning. Oh, yeah, they latch on. Oh, wow. But she, yeah, she just kept dipping underwater to catch her breath, basically, even though you can't breathe underwater, but just to kind of get a little bit of rest and then come back up and just go at it some more. And, yep. And for that, Mary, you have found a spot in our wall of justice in the Hall of Heroes. That is one of my biggest fears, drowning. And yeah. I would hope somebody would be a rough way to go. Yeah. Just, I mean, you would know. Yeah, you know. you'd be so aware of it. Very aware. It's not like, you know, you've been shot and a few seconds later you're like, oh, I'm bleeding. Shoot. Yeah. Like the worst part's <laughs> over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drowning is just awful start to finish. Mm, that's easy imagine. to get scared, too, because I'd like, I don't know, when I was a kid, I'd be, I'd swim down too deep. And then start coming up and start losing my breath. And it's really hard to tell that distance of how far the top of the water is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing horror stories as a child of, uh, like, people who had swim to the bottom of the pool and that, what is it, the the filter, like, sucks them down and keeps them from getting up. So, boy, whenever I get in any pool to this day, I'm looking for any kind of holes (laughs) at the bottom. Like, stay away from there, 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 there. Okay. We used to spend all the time at that drain hole. Was it like strong kids. suction? No, there was no suction at all. I think they backed them off a lot uh, than what they used to be. Because mm. I remember uh, hearing tales of people who go down and like sit on them, you know, just playing fun. And <laughs> it would like suck their insides <laughs> out their asshole. And like. <laughs> Good times. Look, Mom, good I'm a times. sea cucumber. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. the, the good old days. Oh. We're going to hell. Who's coming with us? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn our attention right over to Ryan Lee and talk about some of the projects he has under his belt. Thanks for being with us again, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is really a lot of fun. Oh, we're having a blast, man. So uh, tell us about yourself. There wasn't a whole lot of you out there that we could uh, read up on. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'll give you a quick little rundown. Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, I actually worked in advertising for... Um, almost seven years before I started doing comics, but I did before that I worked in illustration design. That's what I went to school for. And I did storyboards and, and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a long, boring story, but, uh, probably about six years ago, um, I started making the move to, to get into doing comics work, um, again and doing freelance illustration and yeah, just little by little, I chipped away and, did some webcomic stuff with my friend Chris. Um, we did a webcomic called The Naturals for a couple years, um, and that helped build up my portfolio and get both of us some get get a little notice. And you know, it's kind of like a portfolio piece too. You know, you're like, that's the biggest thing with a lot of publishers. It's it's so easy just to have samples, but to show that you're actually you know making a sequential story, you know, and just doing it on your own. Um, I think that autonomy really speaks to a, a lot of people in terms of you being able to finish a story you know you right, imagine it right, counts sure. for a lot yeah yeah so it helped us out and and i learned a lot from that and then um i did a few small things i did i did some like a one one a day strips for um it was kind of a humor site called the gutters it was uh, like a satirical website that just made fun of you know headline type things in comics and um yeah, from that, I, I, I did a couple small things here and there. I worked on a lot of pitches that never went anywhere. I mean, this is kind of just like the story of comics, you know, the breaking <laughs> the breaking end story. But, um, yeah, I, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I met the uh, editor-in-chief of Valiant at C2E2. I had a table there, and he was just kind of walking around looking at portfolios. Um, and he really likes his stuff. He's like, hi, I'm Warren Simons, you know. Um I was like, oh, wow, crazy, because I didn't expect an editor-in-chief to be walking around looking sure. at portfolios. <laughs> right. Especially just, you know, I, it wasn't like I had, like, a crazy banner or anything like that. I just had my workout. And, um, yeah, from that I started getting some uh, 
some variant covers from them and a lot of, uh, yeah, like a lot of variant covers down the line. And they started, I did a couple few little small sequential things for them. And this year, I mean, I've been working for them, I think for about three years now. So, you know, they've, they've given me a lot of work like that and they've had me do a bunch of character designs this year, which was really fun. Wow. I did a couple for the, uh, 4001 event that's coming up for them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just did this, uh, like 12, it's like a 12 piece interlocking, uh, cover. So it all kind of fits together in this giant image. Mm, so okay. kind of like San couple. Diego would release their, uh, posters one mm, day at a yeah. time that went all together to make a big image. Yeah. So I did that for them. And then, um, I did, uh, I did like an oversized one shot for Marvel a couple years ago. A friend of mine suggested me to one of the editors there. So I did an issue of, uh, um, the Inhumans, uh, oh, wow. the Inhumans special. So it was, it was, uh, it was like a three issue little mini series. Um, and each issue was drawn by a different artists. Um, so that's kind of cool. I mean, I got a, I got a trade out of it with these, with these two other really talented guys. And, um, it was written by a writer named Jeff Loveness and it was, it was really fun. I mean, it's, it's been cool, you know, a couple small things here and there. Cause I, I color, I'll color too. I usually like to pencil and ink. But um, I done, I've done some coloring stuff for uh, Comics Tribe and, you know, just shorts here and there. I did a thing with a, a writer named Matt Miner at Black Mask. Anyways, I feel like I'm rambling. No, no, <laughs> not, not at all. all. Not at all, man. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, just basically trying to get my name out there as much as possible and work with cool people on cool projects. So, and, right. Yeah, so right now you know, I'm developing a creator-owned thing uh, with a writer. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll uh, be able to say something about that pretty soon. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be pretty cool. So now, yeah. and and having a background in advertising has got to be a comic book uh, artist imagine, or right? any kind of artist's best friend. Knowing how to catch the eye, you know, exactly. appeal to certain certain tastes. Do you feel having that background yeah. in advertising adds to your artwork or has uh, affected your artwork oh. in any way? Um, a little bit. I think what it's affected has, has been a little more, um, along the lines of, uh, being able to take criticism, uh, mm, making well, changes, yeah. making changes without me getting, uh, all upset about it. I'm so used to, and also like presenting work, speaking, all those, uh, out, outside of comics things that, uh, I don't know what everyone's skill set is, but I know like I'm not afraid to get a critique. I'm not afraid to talk to people. I think all that's really helped me, you know, and how to present myself at least professionally and, and to understand deadlines and how much of a difference that makes and how many people that affects, you know. Mm-hmm. I try to bring a little bit of, of all of that stuff into it. And also, like, I know how to use all the programs. So I can do, like, I do all my own design and I do, do my own logo and all that stuff. So I know how to, I'm pretty proficient with Illustrator and Photoshop and, that's really oh, nice. helped. And InDesign, like, InDesign as a resource for actually putting a comic book together, it is the greatest and easiest thing once you, you have a good grasp of it. And I never would have learned that program without being in into with, sorry, without being in advertising, rather. <laughs> so That's a program I've always wanted to know how to use. I've never played with it. Just the name gives me the chills. Scared <laughs> of it. Like Photoshop, yeah. yeah. Illustrator, yeah. Eh, InDesign, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Run, run! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing I found by being in advertising too. Is you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy who can just sit down and read a book and then know how to work something. I have to have a project to work on to mm-hmm. apply these tools to, and from that, then I start asking questions on how to fix this and do that. And that's kind of how I learned. So, being in advertising was a perfect environment for that because I had people around me all the time, and I know I drove some people crazy <laughs> when I first got started, but. You know, I was pretty shameless, like, how do you do this? I would just ask different people so I didn't milk the same people all the time. Hey, I need to know how to do this. (laughs) Now, your artwork, man, is uh, gorgeous. We were looking at your DeviantArt page before we got on here, and there's some uh, beautiful pictures on there. I, myself, am a huge TMNT fan, so... Oh, thanks, yeah. Rocksteady and Raphael was amazing. What else we see on there? Ghostbusters? The freaking Ghostbusters. I like that one. That That was was a really great spread, yeah. 
Oh, thanks, that Ghostbuster. Yeah, that was a cover I did for IDW. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So, how would you describe your style? You had mentioned seeing. Yeah, I saw the, uh, the the Ninjak cover, which is what I keep going back to. I know I mentioned it for just a moment or two earlier. I thought that was fantastic. The use of the sort of foreign background images. It almost seemed kind of like McFarlane esque, the way you'd, you'd get used to seeing like one of the primary characters sort of superimposed over what's going on with some little action going on in the corner. That one I thought was really fantastic. Right. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, how would I describe it? Uh, yeah. Just for people at home who, you know. Jeez, I, I, it's, it's, it's a little cartoony. It's a little, I think sometimes my stuff looks a little wonky. It's, it's, by design, but I like to exaggerate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little—I don't know. It's not like <laughs> that's, I'm not saying it's like uncategorizable. It's just—it's uh, unique. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's a little—it's very line-based. Like I use a lot of—I put a lot of detail in things usually, and um, I, I love like the inking process, you know. Um, I think yeah, that's, I that's something that really appeals to me. I, I like the like the inked images pre-color when it's all just hard contrast, yeah. you know, white, black, nothing in between. Maybe that was too wide open of a, uh, a question. To <laughs> sure, yeah. But describe to this person who can't see what your art looks like. <laughs> describe the taste <laughs> of chocolate. Yeah. So maybe the more appropriate question is what is what's your background? Where do you what do you aspire from, or what has inspired you uh, to? you know, do what you're doing today. Okay. Um, originally like growing up, I read comics since I was tiny, tiny, um, just getting them at, and I grew up in Michigan, you know, you could, you could get them in grocery stores and you can oh, get, yeah. they call them party stores, but they're basically like, uh, convenience stores, you know, like a Seven Eleven or right. a lot of them here. Um, but yeah, they used to have those spinner racks and every now and then we'd go on a road trip and, I would get a like a single comic and I just pour over it, you know. So mm-hmm. those comics I still remember because we'd be reading the same comic for you know like two weeks straight. <laughs> that one, but, uh, yeah. But yeah. I grew up a lot on. Um, I loved Mad and Cracked magazine, mm. um, especially Cracked when I was younger. Uh, so there's a little bit of humor I think in in some of my stuff, but yeah, as I grew up, you know, I was a I was a '90s kid, so. I loved all that crazy 90s stuff. I was, you know, I was really excited about that at the time. And then, um, you know, in retrospect, some of those things don't really have, I don't know, some some hold up, some don't for me. But um, it's still, it's all nostalgia for me. And I have a respect for a lot of that stuff. You know, it was fun and it was bombastic. But, uh, yeah, I loved Sam Keith. I think artistically, he's someone that I really liked how his mark making process. You know, he used a lot of hatching. He had a lot of cool textures and effects. I like I like doing a lot of that in my work. I read so much stuff. I really did like like uh, the Dark Knight, um, the Frank Miller stuff. I loved that. That's some of my favorite comics ever. Right. But now, I mean, I read so much stuff. Like I sometimes I have to back away from looking at things because I get intimidated or I want to try to emulate everything i see because i love everything from like Stuart eminen and like olivier Coipel, like big hero comics to some some more raw kind of uh weird looking indie comics it's just i'm all over the place it's <laughs> but i like that. love it all but yeah like technically um i really like the guys who use a lot of a lot of lines <laughs> like <laughs> sam, a sam keith but i love like if I could, if I had the ability to pull off the um, the economy of line of, you know, like the more Alex Tothian type guys, like Chris Somney or Apollo Rivera, like those guys are amazing. But that's just not something that I can really pull off, you know. Well, so. you're, uh, you're capable of, uh, I don't know what to say here. Your artwork is fantastic. I can't imagine even after years of training, even being able to come close <laughs> to some of the stuff I saw on your page there. It's just wonderful, man. Thank you so very much. It really is. It's the artist struggle, right? To always yeah. see what could be improved. Yeah. You know, always think to yourself, oh, but if I did this and yeah. so on and so and forth. And how nothing is ever really officially finished, <laughs> right. you know? No, that's true. That's why deadlines are great because it just has to be done sometimes. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it's like, yeah. sorry. <laughs> 
some of the stuff he has was real familiar to me, and I found out who the illustrator was that it reminded me of, and it's Shel Silverstein. Oh, what? really? Yeah, I love yeah. Shel Silverstein. Yeah, it's just some of the like the black and whites in there. They, it just has that same feeling to me. S- yeah, I guess I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, his stuff is great. That's a, that. Thank you. I mean, he's amazing, and I love. <laughs> um, it's funny. I've I have small kids, so I'm kind of rediscovering a lot of children's books now, and. Some of the stuff that came out in like the early '80s when I was little, a lot of it was very linear, like line-based stuff. You know, with like washes, basically. Right. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, a guy named Mercer Mayer. He did a book. Uh, he did like this little troll series. Anyways, he drew a lot of monsters and things like that. And I have one book from when I was a kid, and he did this. It was called like Professor Wormbog in the case of the Zipperumpa Zoo. And the whole, <laughs> and the whole thing was just this weird little squatty professor in the classic safari outfit uh, looking for this monster because he was trying to complete this chart because he had a monster from like A to Z. Um, But it was a really cool book. And I, I actually like looking at now, I'm like, wow, I think this book really informed me when I was growing (laughs) growing up (laughs) and what I like to draw now, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm no uh, comic artist, but, you know, just like you're saying, when you were young and you would go into the, that like Seven Eleven store and the comics were on the rack there, I was the exact same way. And it only ever happened on a Sunday morning. We'd stop in there for the Sunday paper, and I had to go grab a comic and pay for it. And the amount of time it took my parents to find the paper <laughs> and get paid for. It. But um, <laughs> yeah, there are there are so many. I, I read mainly like Captain Planet, or I read uh, the Turtles Adventures on Archie, some other ones in there, but. As long ago as they were and as silly as they were, uh, scenes still stick out in my mind, even the way things are drawn. And I'm not I'm not even an artist, so I, I know what you mean there. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. So you do a lot of commissions too, right? Yeah, I do a lot of commissions. Um, yeah, mostly uh, around like shows, but uh, I'll pick some up um, from Twitter mostly. it's Twitter's been really a huge tool that's been amazing same um, here yeah huge. i don't know where we'd be without it honestly yeah it's it's really interesting that comics community on twitter for whatever reason is pretty healthy yeah. pretty tight-knit thriving everyone's yeah willing to help each other out seems like that's what's yeah. so great about that community I, I think i've told you guys before when i first was thinking of a podcast i wanted to do something music related but you, you there's such a level of arrogance when you're yeah. talking to yep. musicians and stuff that i just can't see past not that way in the comic mm-hmm. uh, genre. Everyone is just willing to help everyone. It's amazing. I think it's because you see such a wide range of like levels of even like technical skill right. that you can still get a message across without being, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. You know, there's something right. to be said for style that's simple, things that are complicated, things that are technically perfect might yeah. not necessarily be more interesting than something that's really abstract. And or, sure. It's, each each artist what? knows the struggle. Yeah. And yeah. they're sure all in each, it together and they recognize yeah. the value and, and what they're making. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. What an awesome community to be a part of. Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. It's it's interesting because I've met, you know, people who've just gotten commissions from me from, I don't know, a piece of art somebody retweeted or something. And, you know, meeting these people at shows, it's cool, you know. Everyone's been awesome. You know, there is I think there's a time on the internet where it's like, well, you better better look out and i'm sure there there is a little bit of that as well but like most of the people i've met from twitter who have interacted with, with me have been really cool and it's just it's cool to meet people and see that just in a few you know in a few sentences how you can really connect somehow on twitter and see people and vet them to where you actually have like an actual uh a real connection with them somehow you know right. through your tastes or i don't know it's just it's been interesting, for sure. I never thought it'd be cool like that. We've made some uh, powerful allies through Twitter, <laughs> I'd say, in our time. Yeah. So many yeah. different uh, friends and uh, people that we constantly keep in touch with just because of Twitter. We're very popular now. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Ryan's like, well, good for you. <laughs> you know, I, I almost feel like with some of the interactions on Twitter, 
like the low character count doesn't leave any room for bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, I like your stuff. Bam, retweets. Like, no, that doesn't work for me. You know, it's just yeah. kind of everything's sort of to the point, and it almost seems like it brings out the helpful side of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it stinks when you're trying to promote a podcast that, episode, yeah. and you have to put a link in there. You have okay, to put I need cover the link, art in there. Image, then... hashtag podcast, hashtag comics. Oh, God, there's no description. <laughs> I'm left with ten letters I can type to describe this Listen episode. to this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ryan, man, this has been a hell of a lot of fun, but I want to encourage our listeners to check your stuff out. Uh, and I know uh, you have Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, you are RyRyLeeArt. Yep. And on Twitter, you are just RyLeeArt. And yep. you also have a DV, uh, DeviantArt page, but uh, I, don't, I don't know quite how to tell people to get there. Is there a certain yeah. address I need to go to? Yeah, you can just do uh, RyRyLeeArt.DeviantArt.com. Um, most of my stuff's under Rai Rai because there is another Ryan Lee artist. Oh no. And he is amazing. He does, uh, he does a lot of, um, uh, production art for movies and TV and, uh, our stuff looks very, very different, but he's amazing. But I, I try to differentiate. I mean, he's reached out to me and like, Hey man, how's it going? Like, Hey. We have the same name. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're not stuck in like a Screen Actors Guild situation. One of you is going to have to change your name right. in order to keep. Oh, performing. I know. Or you don't live close to each other. I got your mail again. Man, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, it um, sounds like the premise for a sitcom: two hey. comic book artists sharing <laughs> the same name. They decide to be roommates at a convenience. I could write a hell of a theme song for go. that. <laughs> going on it, and we'll pitch it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool, man. I uh, again, I strongly encourage everyone to go check out uh, Ryan's stuff on his uh, Deviant Art page. Awesome stuff. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Any other mediums people can find you at? Uh, I'm on Tumblr too. Um, I, I haven't gained much traction on there for some reason. Reason that's something I really haven't figured out yet. But I'm uh, ryleeart.tumblr.com. Very cool. So, and we'll yeah, have links you. to all this stuff on the website as well. Yeah. So thanks again, Ryan, for being with us today. Thank you so much. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandairPodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. media. Uh, visit the Hall of Heroes, see the Wall of Justice, go to the video page, see some of our YouTube unboxing videos and PSAs. And if you want to be a guest and promote our work, your work, not ours. You can do that too. <laughs> promote our work, that's fine, yeah. yeah we won't mind. We can't pay, but we appreciate it. <laughs> Send us an email on the contacts page, and there's still plenty of time to uh, enter for the Stabity Bunny comic book bundle mm, giveaway. Some cool stuff yes. in there, people. Absolutely. Well, it was a Stabity Bunny t-shirt, issues one, two, and three, a great big sticker, sticker. Uh, the agency trade, and salvagers, salvagers trade. trade. Salvagers, that's, yeah. that's a lot of good reading. Mm. And a crudely hand-drawn coupon for one free date with Jake Runyon. Hey, there <laughs> you go. Crayon construction That's paper right. kind of coupon. I put glitter glue on that one. <laughs> Pull out all the stops. <laughs> no expense. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to check out uh, many of the other great shows right here on uh, Con Radio. Uh, what do we got? Figuratively speaking, the Con modern Smash. show Con Smash. Game, Game Fix. Game Fix. Uh, Pure uh, Fandom. There you go. Common Room. Halloween every day. Every day is Halloween. Every day is. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. The Justice League. Or Hall of Justice. Jake's been listening to Con Radio. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> a lot of good shows on there. Be sure to check them out. And you can either go to uh, wizardworld.com and uh, click on the Con Radio button. You can't miss it. Or just go to conradio.com and bypass all that altogether. Save your fingers with trouble. Yeah. Did I, I don't think I said our Twitter handle. Our Twitter handle is uh, CandairPod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. So follow us, too. Uh, anything else, guys? I think that sums it up. That's it for this week. All right. Well, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. I am Ryan Lee. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yum. I'm bored. I wish we were buzzed. 
Let's drink Daddy's cough syrup. This is where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Doc! You just need the Canned Air Podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! And for that, Mary, you have a dessert to dessert. Oh. I don't, I don't know. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.